You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. I know we win or we learn, and today we learn. Abdacha, Austin, Shotaki Zabir. It's infield to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Pella. Onside, 1-0. Blue foul shot. Oh, my word. It's unbelievable. He ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It'd be very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans and available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Matt Markson. I am the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether you've been here before or this is your first time, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. And it's definitely going to be more enjoyable than the actual match that took place at the London Stadium between Southampton and West Ham. Uh, I said it before, I'll say it again, that is the only stadium I've ever visited for a Premier League match. I was there last year um, to witness a 3-0 defeat in Mark Hughes' first match uh, in charge. I was there with Freddie from the Ugly Inside, and uh, afterwards we went back and we talked about the Ugly Inside turning 30 years old, and we went to a pub, uh, we drank quite a bit, we had a very good time. Uh, it was a good start to my my trip, my vacation, and all of that, and it only seemed right to catch up with Freddie uh, last week on the preview show and then have him on again this week for um, this show uh, just to uh, kind of bring it all back. And we were really thinking that it couldn't be the same. We couldn't have the same result. We couldn't have a worse result. Um, and of course, again, we lost three, nothing, but uh, context this season, I think is much different. Um, so we'll talk about the match. Uh, we'll talk about some of the performances of some of the guys who haven't been in the team uh, who are maybe given a chance under, under Ralph this time. And we'll look forward to see who potentially may be on their way out uh, at the end of the season. Uh, We don't go into the preseason trips to China and Dublin and everything else uh, or Austria. Uh, But, you know, we got plenty of time for that after the season is here. But for now, let's catch up with Freddie and I'll talk to you at the end of the show. We'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Freddie from The Ugly Inside. You will recognize his voice, but there's no video because... This is just a podcast, but Freddie, last season we, you know, I had the opportunity to come over to London. Um, you basically took me by the hand and, uh, and and made sure I got to the stadium. You made sure I got uh, my first beer in England was with you. Um, and we kind of joked about last week on, on, on the preview show for you that, you know, West Ham definitely couldn't be, had to be better than last year. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the exact same result. Um, I was less drunk, less jet lagged and everything else, but, uh, thanks for coming on the show. And I'm sorry that we, we, I, I must just be jinxing it again. We're here again, aren't we? It's, um, <laughs> a case of deja vu, another three nil hammering at, uh, at West Ham. It's, uh, there was going, getting up yesterday, getting up yesterday. I had no, there was not, not a thought in my mind that we were going to, we were going to do that. Uh, I knew the team would be slightly changed, but I thought there was just no way we could, we could, uh, possibly sit in, 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 and do that again. And I mean, same thing, Arnaltovich brace. Um, the team just looked kind of disorganized and individual mistakes killed us. And 
there was uh, they didn't they didn't score off of our corner. I guess that's that's a positive from this season. I guess. I guess what it is as well. If you look at Arnautovic, he he hasn't been, he hasn't been interested for most of this season. I mean, he damaged us last year, but Arnautovic and they like to call him Arnie, don't they? But he, he's like the friggin' Terminator for when he plays us. He he vanishes or injures injures himself for the most part of the season, then respawns and scores two goals against us. Hurts us uh, once again. Uh, we've made him look. We've made him look good, and he's certainly a villain in our in our support, you know. But I think yesterday was a case, like some of the fans have said in our reaction videos, were they on the beach, were they in the shop window? I suppose we'll get to that, won't we? Yeah, yeah. It's it. it I mean, it's going to be a, a weird thing. And if we weren't safe, you know, you assume we would put out a different team. Uh, things might have been different, but that that doesn't matter because this this result, this the last away day of the season, it's going to leave a little bit of a sour taste in people's mouths and. Uh, the, you look at some of the reaction online, people are definitely kind of upset with uh, with several players. And um, I don't think I don't see anybody blaming the manager. You know, nobody's nobody's going, why are we doing this or anything like that? I think everybody understands. But um, the result wasn't great. But I guess the the silver lining is that we're safe. We can move on. And hopefully next weekend against Huddersfield, um, you know, the the team kind of returns maybe to normal. But uh, before we do that, um, Thanks for coming back on. I really do uh, appreciate it. And I appreciate you having me on the on the previous show last weekend as well. Yeah, no problem. It's always good to speak to you, uh, no matter what the circumstances are. And, you know, doing a terrific job uh, and going from strength to strength. So, you know, keep it up yourself. And uh, let's get into the, I suppose, let's say the autopsy of, the, of yesterday. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure thing. Um, and if anybody doesn't know, you guys are at The Ugly Inside. All the links are in the show notes. Um, YouTube channel, the, the podcast, all of it is, is available. And, uh, you guys are, are, you know, you, you expanded to, to do the podcast this season. And, uh, I think it's been a great addition to the, to the lineup. Cause now we have, you know, the uh, several podcasts that come out on, on early in the week on, on Sunday and Tuesday and, and everything else. And then John's been dropping them in here and there as he, as he moves. And then you guys kind of bring in the new week and it's, uh, it's, I think it's, I think, I don't know if people realize that we all kind of talk to each other and, and all kind of work together. And I think it's uh, I think, I think it all makes for a nice uh, even flow of, of uh, I don't want to say content cause I hate that word, but, but content, but like, like you said, let's um, let's just jump into the, the lineup for yesterday. So um, I'll be honest. I didn't get up as early as normal yesterday. And as I woke up, the, the lineup was about to come out and we kind of, everybody was predicting Forrester to start just, kind of because we were safe and he hadn't been, he hadn't been featured since uh, I want to say Spurs in December uh, of 2017. I think that was boxing day. Um, that was terrible. And uh, you know, we, we look at some of the lineup, we know there were injuries out there, but were you surprised or disappointed at any of the players that made the starting lineup? Uh, I think Forster wasn't uh, too much of a surprise. Uh, Ralph had hinted it in the uh, early on in the week in the, in the, in the, uh, in the stories and the reports and things like that. And actually I think it, it was, it's great. To, it was great to see Forster back on the field. You know, you could see he, he was you know, sort of growing with confidence as the game was going on. And actually, you know, you could see his character as well was over the last 18 months or so, which, which he hasn't featured. He, he's lived, sort of down in the dumps, you know, in a, in a dark hole, unable to get himself out of it, you know, almost sort of felt like he was in a, a, sp- a spiraling uh, episode of, you know, depression. depression. Almost, yeah. So it was, quite, it was quite sad to see that, but he's worked hard, you know, Ralph was giving him a chance and for the most part, yes, uh, you know, you can't really complain about too much of his, uh, his performance. Uh, I think he made some decent saves, some comfortable saves as you would a, a, a keeper. But of course, there will be some of the, uh, you know, the critics, uh, maybe for the third goal, I'm sure we'll get to that later on as well. But and, and so unfortunate for the second, too. Yeah, I, I think 
he's definitely going to come in for some criticism. Some of the comments we were getting for the, the mini match re- reactions um, or mini match summaries. The thing I have to say about that is that uh, some of the comments um, on the mini match reactions aren't, uh, uh, I think they're too rude to broadcast, let's say. Yeah, yeah, I can't, uh, I can't, I can't read them on here. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they are, they are, you know, but I, I guess, I guess for me, part of it is I think people were going to say those things not no matter what he did, but any mistake that was made by Forster, Stevens, um, Elianusi, I think they have, they're kind of in a hole and they're almost in a no-win situation. And I understand that they haven't necessarily been great over the course of the season, but um, I think we find ourselves, it's similar to we're in the same situation in terms of West Ham, where it was, it was a terrible result and then we didn't play well. But the we find ourselves in a similar situation with with uh, with those players as we did with Redmond last year, where we, we just seem to be kind of on them over and over and over. And granted, they need to play better. But um, I I'm, I think we've we've shown that the abuse uh, of players online doesn't necessarily help. And uh, with the you know the, almost the kind of the, what seemed to be depression with Forrester and and him, there were reports that he you know he didn't feel confident in having the number one shirt at some point, even if when people were talking about him leaving and. And, you know, you just, you want people to do better and be okay. And, and, and I don't, I'm not sure we're, we're helping at this point, you know? Yeah. I mean, I suppose being a footballer, you, you, you put yourself out there for criticism and, and, and to a degree it is sickening to see how many comments that are abusing these players personally. I think if we look at the three mentioned, Forster, Stevens and Elianusa, you know, Saints fans, we love a scapegoat. We love to hate somebody. We always love to blame somebody because of what's happened. I think we look at Nathan Redden last season he was a scapegoat. He had so much abuse. And, it, it, you know, Shane Long even admitted that he's come off social media because of the abuse and because of the critics. But Nathan Redman has set an example for the squad to, to get his head down, work hard before the season's even started and come back, a, you know, a, a new player sort of almost, almost this season. He's gone to the, another level under Ralph Hasenhutl. But I suppose if we look at the two examples uh, yesterday, Jack Stevens seems like he's the flavor of the month that people would love to hate. And Elianusi, nowhere to be seen, I suppose, over the last four or five months. We haven't seen much at all since, um, I suppose, the Derby game was his last game that I can remember, in fact, anyway. But uh, I suppose if we look at Elianusi, he didn't do anything wrong, but nor did he do anything influential on the pitch yesterday. And Jack Stevens, you know, uh, the third goal, you could say he could have done a lot better, trying to close down the man a lot quicker. But I suppose if we look at the... Uh, the uh, the defensive, uh, you know, options at the moment, you'd say that probably Stevens is, is fourth choice. And I think it is quite obvious that we do need uh, a leader at the back. Uh, Stevens hasn't stepped up to do that. And a leader is exactly what we need to pair them with, you know, whoever it may be, Vestergaard, Josida, Bednarek. But um, Stevens just doesn't seem like he's learning from his mistakes at the moment. No, he seems to be uh, stuck a bit and in, in slightly apprehensive. In, in his in his kind of defensive duties and he doesn't seem to to kind of know what to what what to do right away like he's he's his he's definitely hesitant as he as he moves in and, and people are moving around him and it's I don't know it's it's frustrating to watch him but it's also disappointing because you you know he played better than this I want wasn't the end of last season it was two seasons ago right I think mm. when it was him and Yoshida or was that last season I think he made his debut, didn't he, in the League Cup final at Wembley because of Van Dijk's injury. I think at the time we thought Jack Stevens got a lot of potential here. You know, he was given, you know, the, the, the number five shirt number last season or so, giving him a bit of confidence and it looked like he was he was going to be, you know, a, a future staple in the team, if you like. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I suppose as, as we've added to the team, 
I think his, uh, you know, his, uh, uh, his, his abilities have been exposed somewhat. Yeah. The, the, I think that, uh, I guess one thing I could say about the team in general yesterday was all season. It doesn't really matter what center backs have been back there. We haven't looked great in a back four. And yesterday we played a back four and we didn't look great. And I'm not making excuses for the guys that are out there because I don't think they played well enough. But it's, uh, you know, that's a four man defense and we're, we're focusing on one guy, you know. And, and I think that the, I think what it shows is that we definitely need some, some improvements in, 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 in around the, the center back situation because, like you said, we missed two center backs and all of a sudden we are, we are scrambling to try to find somebody to, to play that position. And I think I would have much rather seen, um, the back three that we saw at the end of last, uh, at the end of last week where Bertrand slid into, to the left side of a, a back three and uh, target came in. But, um, I think yesterday was more about giving some guys uh, a chance to play in a position for, for them to kind of audition for Ralph and for other teams. And, um, I guess one of the questions I have to you is, is did anybody really, really help themselves yesterday? Is any, did anybody really like show themselves for a move or, or did they, instead her kind of maybe hurt their chances of, of getting a move to somewhere where they might actually have a chance to play, you know, first team football. I think they've hindered their chances if, if I'm honest. And this is exactly the same question that I asked a couple of our fans yesterday. Did anybody suggest uh, an extra sort of added value to their, to their price tag? And, and, and it seemed based on yesterday's performances almost uh, taken off a zero rather than added a zero to their, to their value. You know, um, you can't really pull too many positives from yesterday's performance all across the pitch. I suppose if we do look at small positives, it is Nathan Redmond once again being influential. But the I suppose the fringe players that are that have that did come in um, didn't do themselves any justice. Uh, it's almost hindered their chances of of moving on. And and you know people are suggesting that, that even McCarthy may be on his way out because it's easier to to get rid of him because no one wants to take Fraser Forster's eighty thousand pound a week wages. Similarly, what what I think. My prediction for Ellie Noose's future is that we may see what we've done to Buffal this season. You know, send him out on loan to a European club, see how we get on, uh, and maybe Ellie Noose may come back. You know, it, it is his first season here. You know, people are, you know, it's, you could say, give him a chance, give him a chance to, uh, you know, get into the Premier League, get used to the physicality, but he's, he's shown no signs of sort of adapting too much. And this is a, a fine case of maybe over scouting somebody. And uh, I don't think he quite fits Ralph's system, if, if I'm honest. No, and you mentioned the Derby game earlier. And I would say the one thing that stood out to me in that game or that match was at one point he got the ball down the sideline and was in like a dead, a dead race, a dead sprint with somebody and mm-hmm. didn't have the pace to get away from him and didn't have the strength to hold him off. And it was, I hadn't. I hadn't seen that from him yet. And I thought that that was one of the places that, where he would be kind of, um, I don't know, uh, better equipped to, to deal with that. And he, he just didn't have it. He didn't have the pace or the strength. And I think that's shown up this season. I thought the one, there was one good uh, run from him from kind of deep yesterday where uh, he managed to control the ball off his chest. And then he tried to hit some, you know, some volley. I think it was early on, maybe 12 or 15 minutes in. And uh, you know, the shot just, just you know, way wide. There's no chance it's going in, but it's like if you, if you do more of that stuff, I think it's it's fine. Maybe play that inside forward role a little bit, um, allow the fullback to overlap and things like that. But he, I just I'm just not sure he has it. And I would ask, you, do you think he goes on loan? If you're going to send him on loan, if you could choose, would you send him into Europe where he's kind of already succeeded? Granted, it wasn't in a, a huge league. It's, it, the Swiss league is not a, a powerhouse by any means. But 
do you send him there or do you maybe see if you can get him uh, to stay in, in England and send him down to the championship maybe where he's going to have to be more physical uh, than maybe some of these leagues in Europe? Mm, I think he may get shown up in the championship, if I'm honest. I think it's quite obvious that he hasn't got the strength um, or the, I suppose the mental capacity to you know play in the championship. Who would want to take him? You know, somebody... If I suppose if you look at it historically, uh, Leeds are a big British sort of side. If he plays against a, the, the, the teams like Leeds, he'll get shown up. He'll get beaten and bruised. I think his the style of his play suits European football, and and I won't be surprised if he goes somewhere like Spain, somewhere like Vigo, Leganes. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to Basel, play a little bit of Europa League football, uh, Champions League football. Um, what can you say? Um, it's a, it's an odd situation really, but, uh, I suppose if you, if you're looking at, uh, the options out wide, Elianusi, Redmond, Will Prowse, Armstrong, again, a bit like Stevens, you could say he's third or fourth choice. And it was quite obvious when Redmond came on, he was more of an influence, um, on the pitch with, with, uh, with, with runs, taking the players on with shots on target. In fact, Redmond were only shot on target yesterday. Tells the entire story. Mm-hmm. So he clearly isn't creating enough. Um, I think maybe he does need to look at Redmond as an example, get his head down, bulk up, gain some strength. In in the summer, come back, raring to fight for his uh, fight for his place. Um, but if, if I suppose if you're looking at his interviews to European press, he's, he's still enjoying his time at Southampton. He's he's willing to prove himself. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I would I would say the one thing with Redmond was guys are looking to give him the ball and he wants the ball. You know, he's, he's showing up in situations and saying, get the ball to my feet and I will take people on, which he wasn't doing last season, but he is the only player on our team that really wants that, that responsibility, you know? And when he came on yesterday, the game did change a little bit for us. Granted, we still, uh, we didn't get back into it at all. I don't think that was going to happen or, but he was, uh, you know, we don't have anybody else that does that. And I'm, I, I wouldn't have thought at the end of last season that that Redmond was going to turn into that player. I think we all knew that he had some of the attributes for that, but I didn't know uh, that he was going to be able to turn his, his the, the mentality around, I guess. And uh, so with that said, I'm not sure Moy has the, the physical attributes to be able to do those things. And so um, it, it's going to be hard to kind of pick both of those things up. Um, and like you said, if he goes down the championship, um, I think the championship might be better preparation for him if we're planning on keeping him, but if we're trying to get him off the books and, and out somewhere, I would definitely think that the, uh, the European loan situation would be, would be a, a better fit for him simply because, um, he might actually look good when he's there. Yeah. I think, uh, it'll also be quite, uh, uh, embarrassing if you like for, for a team such as ourselves going out to watch Elinusi 30 times I hear to, on the scout reports to, to bin him off after a year. That'd be embarrassing for the club, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but it's also a worrying case of uh, a lack of, of depth in star quality in the team. You know, uh, it seems like Redmond is the star man alongside Hoiberg and, and Warprouse that can game, uh, change the game. Elinusi is not a game changer. Uh, I'm afraid to say that, but uh, I, I, I want to be proven wrong. And, you know, I, 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 Redmond has done it. He's proved the critics wrong this season. And, and why can't uh, Elinusi do that either? Right, right. And I, I would say if we, if we think about guys who have gone off to the championship, uh, you know, one example of that is, is Sims. And when he went, he couldn't get in, couldn't get into the team, had to come back and has been, you know, when he's played, looked okay. Uh, looked at times, you know, uh, similar to what he did in the past, like come on for a substitute appearance and look fantastic. Uh, get a starter, play a little bit longer, not look so great. Um, but, but Moy hasn't really offered any of that. He's just kind of been 
there. And I, I can't, you know, like, like you said, I don't think he did anything wrong yesterday, but he definitely didn't hit He didn't show himself to be somebody who can, who can change a game. And maybe that's the fact that he hasn't played in so long or, or whatever it is. But, um, to kind of get back to the game directly after he makes that run, um, misses that chance. Uh, West Ham were the better team up, up to that point through like 15 minutes or so. And, uh, Jan Valery, who's been pretty good this season. I think all of us have been surprised with how well he's played and have been really happy with his performances. Um, you know, it would take away maybe the red card. And, and I would say, once again, him in a back four hasn't looked great. Uh, think back to the first game under, under Ralph when we played against Cardiff. Um, I think that's when he gets himself kind of in trouble more. Um, but he gives that ball away, just leaves it short. And, and West Ham jump on us and they go up 1-0. And I... I would say that they've been the better team, but I'm not sure they deserved a goal at that point. Well, Valerie's, uh, you know, uh, error to leading to the goal was was catastrophic. It was, you know, it, this time it was fatal. Luckily for Stevens, last week against Bournemouth, it wasn't fatal, but the the mistake has come straight out of Stevens' textbook. Um, but Valerie, I think he does suit the wing the wing back position. I think he 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 he. I think he's more natural with the overlapping runs. And in fact, if we look at the runs from the wingbacks yesterday, we saw more underlapping runs than overlapping runs, which we've seen uh, for most of the season under Ralph Hasenhut. So we didn't utilize the width of the pitch yesterday. We were playing quite narrow. We had no options out wide. And, you know, the Olympic, the Olympic Stadium, London Stadium, uh, has, has quite a wide pitch, and we didn't utilize that to our strengths. But Valerie has looked great. You know, he's, uh, I suppose, one of the breakthrough talents this season great to see another young lad coming through to the first time I think he will be first team next season but he's still young you know it's best to, to make mistakes earlier on and I think he's got the potential to be a, a great footballer for the football club you know it's unfortunate he, he gave that that ball away and but these are the types of mistakes that you need to learn from and hopefully Ralph will, will obviously sitting down and say hey this is what you've done wrong this is how we can improve it yeah the on TV yesterday, they kept talking about the the difference in the formation. And um, I think I told you this last season. Uh, I think I've said it before. I, I dislike Mark Noble. I'm not a fan. Um, I think I want to say the first time that we ever talked on this show around a West Ham match, I want to say that I cut out a part. Uh, Mark Noble got a red card. And I wanted to say I, I cut out a part where I'm like, is he that kind of player? Like, I didn't really know him at that point. Um, and I started to pay attention to him at that point. And from that moment, I have hated him. Um, and uh, I actually have a clip of you calling him Mr. West Ham last year. And I've used it uh, a couple of times on the special delivery um, mm. at, at the end of the show. So apologies for that. Um, but um, it's, uh, you know, I, I just, I dislike seeing him. But the, the midfield yesterday for West Ham really gave us a run for our money. And that's been a, a kind of a strong suit. You think of, of the the trio of, of Hoiberg, Romeo and James Ward-Prowse, and they've played really, really well together. Um, but uh, with just kind of Hoiberg and, and Lamina in the middle, uh, we played 4-4-2 against West Ham last year and we got, we got beat. Uh, we did it again this year uh, and we got beat, but um, yeah, it just, it, it, it didn't, it didn't go well. And Mark Noble actually, you know, played a pretty good pass for that, that first goal for them. And that makes me upset. Um, but yeah, I, and I, I suppose if, if we look at that goal, it, it, obviously, it was led from the mistake from Valerie, but it was a defence-splitting pass. I suppose both the defenders, Bednarak and Stevens, perhaps at fault, but a little bit slow to react. But it's, uh, I mean, it's a simple ball at the end of the day, uh, and it's one-on-one with, with the goalkeeper, and we, we don't do ourselves any favours, do we? No, no. And, and we've, 
uh, uh, you ask any Saints fan this season what what's hurt us the most, and they'll say probably individual errors. You know, just the the lack of we don't have the quality to make up for the individual mistakes, and so we have to play a, a solid kind of game. And any any time we get we put ourselves behind like that, it we're going to struggle to to get points and, and take those things from it. So it's uh it's you know disappointing to say the least. But um one thing I noticed from us is is you know we haven't played a lot with with the ball this season. We've we've generally most matches look the best when we've played kind of on the counterattack or had the chance to press teams and, and force them into mistakes. And yesterday, the end of the first half, the possession stats were were about normal for us, where the other team has almost two thirds of possession or somewhere around there. And we but we didn't look good. Like we didn't have that that pass. We didn't have that uh, the runs that we were, were were generally making. We weren't creating kind of opportunities in their third. We weren't pressing them there, and and it was really. Uh, you know, I have here in my notes. Like it kind of felt like a training match. Like guys didn't really know. Um, uh, take this for example. Um, we've had Redmond and Bertrand down the left a lot this season, and if you look at Redmond's help defensively for him uh, with Bertrand. Uh, and the communication they seem to have, the understanding they seem to have. Yesterday, when we put those guys out there, granted they haven't played together, but the understanding didn't seem to be there. There was, you know, kind of passes left uh, to to no one, or runs weren't being made. You can see the guys kind of looking around and not being able to find a pass. Um, West Ham was was running down our left hand side, their right hand side, because Moy wasn't helping Bertrand in the same way that Redmond does, and so. That stuff, I think, although understandable given even the team selection, was really frustrating for for us because we've seen the team work so well together kind of over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I think yesterday it was a, a prime example of looking disjointed, even disinterested. Obviously, we're disappointed with the result. And uh, uh, I mean, it, like I said a moment ago, it was, it's a worrying case of lack of uh, strength and depth. Um, uh, we do lack a leader. I think that's quite obvious. Hoiberg does his best, but we need to help each other out all across the pitch. And uh, I don't think Ellen Luce has got the engine as uh, as Redmond does, um, nor were uh, his colleagues helping them out. We didn't see too much of the high press yesterday. And I suppose as some of the fans suggest that uh, we were on the beach, you know, we've got, already got our flip-flops out. Don't really care too much about the result. I think it's just a case of putting them in the shop window to see how they get on. Or just, in fact, just some game time. Um, but uh, Ralph has, has been to the press and said, look, we need to finish this season strong, finish as we, strong as we possibly can. So I won't be surprised if we do see the strongest lineup um, back at St. Mary's on Sunday. Um, and it's going to be a sort of, a, a, I suppose, a rebuild, if you like, in the summer. And I think if we uh, fantasize about transfers from it, people say we need five. I think we only get three. Yeah, I think I think that that that's probably more realistic. But uh, uh, you know, we like a villain. We also like to complain. So I think we'll we'll say we want five, and when we only get three, we'll say we needed five. And and not that I'm disagreeing with that, but uh, you know, we'll we'll that's just how it goes. But um, for me, the the highlight of the first half was at one point. I'm not sure if you saw it in the in the stadium. Um, Stevens almost kind of had a judo throw on Arnautovic that I appreciated, and it it went unpunished. Um, which was my favorite thing of the first half, um, just because I I don't want to see him score any more against us. Of course, he did uh, in the second half. But um, we and we should just note we are safe. You know, like this this game. The the reason we saw the team we did is because we are safe and we are staying up. And because of the draw and some of the the results leading up to our safety, 
we kind of cut off the 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 chance to kind of jump up the table a couple of places and 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 attempting to put these guys in the shop window i think was the right decision from ralph um and i just want to reiterate uh, reiterate we are safe everything's going to be okay um we have a chance to rebuild um because i feel like we're uh i'm starting to get angry and i don't want to get angry um it's 5:54 in the morning i don't need to be angry yet um <laughs> but uh the second half you know redmond comes on for ings um, there's always the worry whenever Ings goes off early that he's injured. Um, I don't know. I, I, I didn't, uh, uh, we were, we were at the, the soccer field or the football field all day yesterday afterwards. So I didn't, I didn't check up on the, some of the post-match stuff, but, um, I, th- I thought we'd look better the second half a little bit to start at least. Uh, the, the ball movement was better. Uh, Redmond and Long just watching them together seems like they seem to have, have fun playing with one another. They seem to, to understand and, and they create a little bit more. Uh, Ings kept dropping really, really deep in the first half and it wasn't working. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. The, the one kind of, kind of a couple of notes that I have here, uh, Forrester, I kind of wish he would have caught, uh, one or two of those, those balls that were coming at him instead of punching them away. Uh, and, uh, I feel like if he does that for the second goal, I think, I think that, uh, it, it stays out. Um, but once again, it's, it's easy to say that watching it in slow motion on TV, uh, I wasn't you know, down there with guys in my line of sight and having to deal with uh, shots coming at me all day. I guess if we look at uh, Danny Ings' influence, actually, you know, he hasn't scored a few goals in a few oh, about a month or two now, which is unfortunate for him. But I suppose his efforts sometimes go unnoticed. You know, he has been dropping deep to, to collect the ball, but he's we've seen, uh, I suppose, more of an influence and more link-up play from Danny Ings. You know, he's almost playing this sort of false nine figure. He's he's, he's holding up the ball. He's not a, he's not the biggest of lads. You know, but he, what he does well uh, is, you know, obviously he's got a, a better sense, uh, sense of gravity, I suppose, and weaves in and out sort of some of the players, in fact. Holds the ball up, lays it off to Shane Long or Nathan Redmond. And I suppose historically, if you look at that, we've always had sort of a sort of a hold-up man or at least a, a, a pivot to, to hold the ball up and play the, the, the balls out wide. But, you know, unfortunately, Danny Ings go off. I don't think he was injured. I think it's just a case of changing the shape. Uh, and bring him more of an influence on the uh, on on the field uh, on Saturday, but uh, ultimately it is it is uh, poor decision making yesterday. I suppose if we look at Shane Long's opportunity, he should have hit it first time with a one on one against the goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Tries to take a touch, and I suppose if you look at the replay, in fact, he almost tries to play for a penalty. He kind of leans into the defender, the the, the, the right back is Fredericks. I think uh, he gets quite mad and shuts for a free no with no chance and. Uh, it's those sorts of opportunities that we need to take. Uh, you know, the the analysts say that we weren't clinical enough, and I think I agree with that. We weren't clinical. We didn't take our opportunities when we had it, and it was quite a speculative speculative effort uh, for the one shot on target. And the fact that the trajectory almost seemed like it was going over for Nathan Redmond. So, lots to uh, to think about, and and maybe you could even say because the boys had three days off in the week, they were already coasting. You know. Uh, and it seems like, but it does seem like, obviously, that the, the stadium, London Stadium, West Ham, is starting to become a bit of a horror show for us at the moment. So, and we say, you know, this season can't be any worse than last season. And we'll be saying this again next season. Last season, this season can't be any worse than last season. So, uh, more efforts to uh, to consider. Um, you know, it, it's not always a given that we'll, we we will beat our last game. Huddersfield um, are down, but. Uh, I suppose they want to come up fighting, won't they? And um, hopefully we do give them a good send off, but uh, so a lot to learn. Absolutely. And, and Ralph giving the guys days off, I think, you know, the stated goal was safety. That was obviously, you know, 
the number one kind of kind of thing and and we wrote about it or I wrote about it in the in the newsletter this week uh or last week and the second goal was 40 points and the the truth is we still have the chance to do that a, a win on the final day of the season uh at a re- uh, against a relegated Huddersfield um that will put us above 40 points and that basically achieves r- both of Ralph's goals that he stated he wanted he wanted so um that chance is still there and I don't I don't think he did anything wrong I think this this show this shows a little bit of of what the team needs. It's it's clear to, I think it's clear to a lot of people. Uh, it's I, I definitely think it's clear to Ralph, and I, I bet you it's clear to the people who are going to be making the financial decisions as well. Um, the it would just be interesting to see if, given that that they are able to or to pull the trigger and make the moves happen that that we can all see that we that we need, and you know it's sometimes it. it I'm not sure you can you can just have the kind of fire sale uh, that that you would want and and get rid of some of these guys and, and change. I'm not sure it works that way in terms of of finances and things like that. But um, you know we're on 38 points. We we haven't won any. I think in our last five. I think uh, uh, we have won in our last five. I think um, in the Premier League. And so it's 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 not a great run right now. We've kind of stuttered it a little bit, but. Um, you know, we achieve safety. We give the guys a couple of days off. It it maybe is no surprise that we looked uh, a little bit like we weren't were there. But uh, I, I imagine that the the way Ralph has worked in the past, he's not happy with the with the performance yesterday. And uh, things will hopefully uh, turn around for the last game of the season. Yeah, I think so. Um, I suppose we'll be working hard in midweek with uh, his tactics, his uh, approach, and uh, I think we may see maybe a last few appearance. Uh, for a couple of players, it'll be interesting to see which team he does go. It does go with. I mean, if we say Fraser Forster, uh, maybe give an opportunity once again. Um, we may see Elanusi start from the from the from the uh, you know from the tunnel on on Sunday. It is, and you know, hopefully, I think we we will see Yoshida back. Uh, obviously, Vestergaard is out for the end of the season. I think that's quite a big miss uh, in quite a, a tactical and a physical sense. Uh, we're all six foot seven of him injured on the sideline. Um, but I think we, we obviously missed that leader at the back and Yoshida gives that to us. He's had his critics. He's proved a lot of people wrong recently, you know. But um, I think it's obvious that we need a leader. We need a big uh, strapping centre-back uh, to to direct the play from from within. But we're not. We're, we're a team that will never break the bank. And um, I think that's a philosophy that Ralph will, will continue to abide by. He even admitted it in sort of one of the press conferences a week or so ago. You know, we are Southampton. We do these. We do things the way that we do because it's our philosophy. Um, but so I think the best we might see is a 20 million, maybe break our record by one million pounds on Carrillo. And he's another man. Do we give him a chance? You know, I don't know. A lot, a lot of questions to consider. A lot of you know, a lot of uh, players to consider their future in the summer. Yeah. And it- it's really easy to forget about all the guys that we have out on loan that we're going to have to deal with and going to have to address. And, and some of them that Ralph has never met, you know, never seen. And I, I think it's, it, we all have our opinions on people and, and, you know, we'll see what, what the managers are and, and hopefully those guys come back right away. And, and maybe I'd like to see them hopefully at least come in and speak with Ralph before they go off on holiday, you know, and, and, and do those things so we can at least get a, an idea of what's going on. And, it's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, 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 an interesting summer and something we're gonna have to keep an eye on. And I've I've been pretty vocal. I don't like the summer transfer window in terms of having to 
to, to pay attention to it and, and kind of not cover it. But, uh, you know, all the speculation around transfers and things like that, I think, uh, you know, I think the reaction to, to certain things and will, will be, will be interesting on social media, especially because it's, uh, we're going to have guys that are, that we have to make decisions on. And, and as you said, I don't, I don't, I don't think we're going to wind up, uh, you know, breaking the bank necessarily on, on a bunch of players. And, um, it, it, I think a lot of it will depend on who we can, who we can get off the, off the books. So, um, I, I think it's quite obvious, actually, some of the players that will, we, we will be seeing departed in, in the summer. I think the likes of Wesley, who we, we won't see ever again, uh, Bufal and Carrillo, question marks over their future. But even the likes of Harrison Reed, Sam Gallagher, who are now, what, 23, 24, they're about to reach the peak of their career. And they've not really done too much. Uh, you know, they've done nothing of influence to suggest their first team place in, in Southampton Football Club. Harrison Reed, you know, he's been since, he's been with the club since he's like ten years old. Gallagher's been with us since he was very young as well. So it'd be unfortunate to see him go away, but I'm sure Ralph will be given the information, and he's a meticulous for detail, isn't he? You know, he won't be like Mark Hughes, who's in the dark. Oh yeah, so suddenly someone turns up on the door. Oh, who are you, sort of thing. Ralph will know exactly what's going on out on loan, and I'm sure he's got a good team behind him to uh, to report that that, uh, that that data back. So Ralph, I think he's already made his decision for half the players that are out on loan. I'd like to see Heskiff give a chance back in the first team. Again, a young player, 23 now. Seems like he's too good for League Two. Uh, he's good enough for League One. Will he go to a championship club, give him another season, and then we'll see where we are the year after that. So I think he's already made his decision on half the players. Well, that's, I, think, I guess that's encouraging. Um, and, and like you said, he, he definitely is... Uh... Definitely is meticulous, and he definitely is, you know, pretty forthcoming with with what he wants from from players. I think it's pretty clear when you see um, some of the, some of the changes because because Redmond was turning himself around, but he's he's continued to improve under under, under Hassan Hudel in, in ways that I'm not sure we expected. And so I think that that if Ralph is going to be Ralph has proven to at least to me that he is uh, he can get his point across, which is I think something that the last couple of managers haven't been able to do. Um, to to the players, but um, we have a couple of questions, and uh, I know you have some some other obligations, so we should not keep those guys waiting. Um, but uh, this one comes from Rob Maddox on Facebook, and he says that do you think Saints are going to be frugal in the summer transfer market, and if so, uh, where do you think the academy players coming through uh, will play? And you kind of hinted at that a little bit in, in terms of, of Hesketh and things like that, and Reed as well, but. Um, I mean, if you were going to say how many players were going to be on their way out, um, if we had to just list them off, you, you mentioned some of the guys out on loan, but who else do you think makes way? And, and, and anybody else besides maybe Hesketh, you think coming up from the academy? I think Kane Ramsey will be given a chance next season. I think that's quite obvious. He's been given a cameo or two uh, this season. He's fielding at right back and fielding at centre back. Uh, we've also seen a cameo from Callum Slattery and Tyreek Johnson this season. Um, so we may see them emerge more often uh, next season. It also depends on where we invest, I suppose, in the summer, whether we want to decide to give Ramsey a chance more in the, in the first team next season or whether we decide to invest in a backup right back. But I think, you know, there's a couple of players actually that are, are playing to the top of their ability in the under-23s. I don't know if you've seen the highlights in the playoff semi-final uh, last Friday where uh, I think it was O'Connor that smashed in a free kick straight out of Ward-Prowse's textbook, mm-hmm. albeit with his left foot. So he could be given a chance, you know, along with uh, Will Smallbone, who's the captain, I'm sure. Uh, he, he put away the penalty. So there's a lot of ability coming through. 
I think if you also look at Alfie Jones, looks like a good player. He was in the matchday squad. In fact, he was away with St. Mirren earlier this season. Mm-hmm. Didn't do too much up there. But again, perhaps another player coming back down to Saints to really give himself a chance more often in the first team. I mean, it, you know, if you look at Josh Sims as an example, I think the team weren't helped uh, by three different managers this season. He wasn't given much of an opportunity. I think he was hindered with a, an injury or so. Mm-hmm. But his comebacks refreshed, raring to go, proving the uh, the team wrong, played a more part in the, in the first team. And so we could see some of that uh, coming through, emerging from the under-23s next season. I think I think that continuing that kind of uh, integration and that kind of uh, movement from under-23s to, to the first team, I think that does a lot for our ability to recruit good young players. Um, I think that does a lot for uh, the fans. The fans will give those players a little bit more time uh, to, to develop. Um, people will now say that, that, uh, Jack Stevens is not one of our own. Uh, and he did come to us quite late, but he did, he did play through the, the, the under 23s and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I, I think that, that, that type of thing, I think that's what the club is built on. And I think that's good. And I think Ralph is, is up for that. Um, and, and Ralph even hinted a little bit, uh, earlier this week that, you know, the, the players that we are going to look to sign in the summer are not going to be, um, uh, finished products you know they're we're not going to sign guys who are are at the absolute top of their game we're gonna we're gonna sign people who need a little bit of polish and need a little bit of time to to adjust and a little bit of uh, some improvement and and they will after they play for us will make another move and i think i think he's okay with that and and i think uh what what i want to do what i want to be able to say i'll do is just enjoy the time that the players have enjoy watching them improve enjoy watching them play um but i don't want to sign guys who um you know, can't contribute to the team. And I think that's the mistake we've made over the past couple of seasons is we've, we've taken perhaps too many chances, like you said earlier, you know, over scouted a little bit. Um, and, 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 and thought we were, we were, we were kind of pulling out something that nobody else saw. And really maybe we saw it be, maybe, maybe nobody else saw it because it wasn't there, you know, but let's move on to another question. Um, People can send in their questions. We already read one from Facebook. They can do that on Instagram, on Twitter, uh, on Facebook. And then the patrons of the show have the uh, priority for getting their questions answered each and every week on the show. It's one of the things they get, including uh, a private chat and a bonus podcast episode every single month. If you're interested in that, you can check it out at patreon.com slash SFC delivery. Um, Kevin McGee, who is one of the patrons of the show, uh, sent in this question. He says, which players do you think won't be at the club next season? Uh, will we see any of the loanies return? And we kind of hinted at this already. We talked about it a little bit. Um, but any of the guys on a loan, do you think uh, will be back? Or do you think that uh, you think they're all kind of kind of done? Um, I think Ralph will want to have a look at some of the players before we decide in the future. I suppose if we look at the four prime suspects in Wesley Hoot, I think we've seen the last of him. He was very much uh, Mark Hughes' man. Um, he'd done everything he could to to keep himself in the lineup, almost suggests that he was sleeping with Marcus. That's why we saw him every week. A bit of bribery there, but who knows? Uh, I think if we look at Cedric Suarez, not favoured by Inter Milan, not favoured by Southampton. So I think we may see the last of him. He didn't look interested before we shipped him off to Italy. So I think we've seen the last of him. And I think if we get him for 10 million, we've made a small profit on him. I think what we've got him for about eight. So it's a small profit, not too bad at all. And I think we'll get a lot of suitors for Cedric, a player that's almost retained his value. If we look at Guido Carrillo, £19 million pounds panic buy last uh, January under Maurizio Pellegrino. 
We'll do well if we get anywhere near that value. Uh, seems to be doing well under Pellegrino at Leganes right now, scoring important goals. Uh, but like I sort of suggested earlier, we're a type of team that, uh, that like a target man. And actually, we saw quite a lot of energy from Carrillo last season, uh, popping out with an assist or two, holding up the play, big, strong, physical presence, six over six foot. I think he is. So it could be an opportunity in the air. And that's what we've missed. We're a short team, all apart from Vestergaard. We we don't offer too much threat up top. So use his ability to his strengths, I suppose. And I suppose if we look at uh, Sofiane Buffal, another enigma, if you like. Uh, the ability to change the game on a sixpence, and we saw that with the amazing goal against West Brom last season. But it's his attitude that everybody questions. You know, um, I think Ralph would be the man to, to to keep him in line. But again, is he going to play for the team or is he an individual? And it seems like Ralph only wants players that are going to play for the team. So my, uh, I suppose, prediction is that we've seen the last to be foul. I would agree with that simply because I think if you look at the the, the demands on the individual players, the demands, the demands on the team, uh, in under Ralph's system or in Ralph's system, um, the guys have to work extremely hard, and there's not room for uh, one a player to think even for a second that he is bigger than the team, and two, uh, the there, there's no room for kind of dissent or disagreement amongst the squad. Like you can't have somebody dividing the locker room even a little bit. Everybody has to 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 really believe and trust if the system's going to work because the moment that you put in those extra miles and then you have somebody come in and, and do the prima donna thing or do what Stuart Armstrong did last week and just hold on to the ball just a little bit too long and try to try to dribble out of it. Um, you can't have that, that, that because you, you, then you take the collective work of the entire team and you have kind of put your individual uh, highlight reel above that. And I don't think the team's going to stand for that. I don't think under Ralph's system, uh, we can do that. I don't think Ralph's going to stand for that. So uh, for that reason, I would say um, Buffal should probably go somewhere else. Um, but as you said, he is, he can be one of those guys who his, his YouTube highlight reel is going to look great. You know, you can, you mm-hmm. can, you can, uh, I still have a, a short little a video of him that I use in class all the time where he just kind of dribbles the ball through, I, I don't know, six, seven, eight people. Um, doesn't do anything with it, loses the ball eventually. Um, but um, I cut it off before then just because it, it looks better if we could do it that way. Um, He's a street player, isn't he? Yeah. Sofian learned on the streets and, and that's the type of player you see down the playground, you know, with the ball that just sticks to his feet. Uh, the, Moroccan, the Moroccan Messi is what Nick dubbed him uh, last season. Um, and it, I suppose if we get his attitude in check, it could be an influential figure in the team next season. It all depends on how, I suppose, Ralph wants to set his team up. You know, we say uh, that we've done better under the three centre-backs with the, with the overlapping full-backs. But in fact, we've seen uh, Ralph play this 4-2-2-2 under Leipzig and got a lot of success from it. So we could well see Buffal playing one of those central attack midfielders behind the striker. But... Like I say, it all depends on what philosophy and which tactics that uh, Ralph wants to sole it or I suppose primarily uh, employ next season. Yeah, yeah, and it, and uh, before we get on to the last question here, um, if you were gonna if you were gonna sign just a position, you know, if you say you said three signings earlier, what what positions do you sign? Uh, it's quite obvious. We need a centre back, a leader, um, someone that can direct the team from from deep. I think we need a right back full uh, a right back backup I suppose and I think we need a striker a natural goal scorer uh, I think it's obvious Charlie Austin's uh, playing his last games for the club he's uh, been given the green light to leave the club in the summer as for Jack Stevens so you could you could say those two are like like replacements 
uh, or be uh, an improvement, uh, um, you know, an upgrade, if you like. So for me, I think it's centre back, striker, back up right at right back. But if we get another midfielder, an attacking midfielder. Well, which can be more of an influence. I think that is an ideal summer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think the, the center backs, you look, we have, I mean, I like the three center backs we have uh, in terms of Bednarak, Yoshida, and Vestergaard, but you put any two of them back there and they're missing a big, uh, they're, they're missing something. I'm not even sure what it is. I was going to try to come up with something, but I can't. Um, but you, you look at Vestergaard, he just doesn't have the pace. You look at um, Bednarak, he doesn't quite seem as confident playing in a back two as he does on the right side of a back three. Um, and Yoshida kind of has it all together, but you got to have a, a, a fitting partner for him. And I'm not sure he's quite vocal enough to, to play with Bednarak alone. Um, nor does he, uh, really, I don't think he's comfortable enough on the ball to play with Vestergaard uh, alone. Um, and so I think that, uh, you know, we need something there. Uh, the right back situation, like you said, it's Valerie Ramsey and, and I would like a, an actual right back behind him. And then, like you said, the striker. Um, I think long stays, I think Ings obviously is going to be around and, um, yeah, yeah. I think if you replace Austin, I think that'd be fine. Cause I think our midfield has been, has been pretty good. And with Lamina back in the mix and, and healthy, um, we have four kind of midfielders to rotate through the two or three spots. Um, if you add, uh, maybe some competition, get rid of Moy, maybe, uh, send him out alone and, and have somebody else to compete with Redmond and Armstrong for, uh, those attacking midfield midfielder positions, which Lamina can also play. Um, I think I think you're looking at at, at a pretty decent midfield there, so uh, I think that's 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 kind of good. So uh, we do have one more question from a patron from uh, Dave Lee, who is actually uh, here in the states. He says, "Question for the next episode: Do you and Freddie have any final match day traditions?" I ask because I always go to grab a locally brewed 22 ounce breakfast stout, crack it open for the 7 a.m. kickoff, uh, and drink half during each half. It'll taste even better this year since Southampton are safe. Um, and you know, obviously, being on the West Coast with me. The uh, kickoffs are early, seven a.m. Um, I, I do you do anything special on the last day of the season? I know uh, you you have your traditions on match days in general, but uh, anything special on the last day of the season for you? Uh, if, I suppose if we, I'll answer that in a sec. But I suppose if we look at the, uh, the transfer policy, I mean, who wants to buy our players for a team that has finished seventeenth and then what is it going to be fifteenth, sixteenth at best uh, this season? So we're not going to see a fire sale. Of all fire cells like we have seen in the uh, in the previous summers, so that will be difficult. As for uh, I suppose match day traditions, we often like to go down. I mean, it's not just a final day tradition, but for a home game, we like to uh, you know head down to the Five Rivers, excellent bar down in Beavers Valley. Uh, for those closer to home, do make sure you check it out. They're having a live band, in fact, on the last game of the season, which should be quite cool. Um, after the game, so a bit of a celebration, a celebratory mood, if you like. Let's have a couple of pints before the game, and then head uptown. After the game, if it's an if it's an away game, uh, an away game wouldn't be complete without our Weatherspoons breakfast. Cheap and cheerful. We did that yesterday. Uh, there's always a spoons within, you know, a, a mile or so wherever you go around the UK. So that's that. I think I've admitted this to you before. I thought Weatherspoons was a grocery store for a long time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> turns out not so much, but uh, maybe I, I I didn't manage to go to Weatherspoons while I was there. Uh, which I, what? I don't know. Well, we had the bar right next door to the hotel. Um, and so I went there quite a few times and, uh, we had a Sainsbury's next door, the other side. So, uh, mm. I went in there and bought quite a bit of beer, uh, as well. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean the, the beer there was probably the cheap and the bar at the next, at next door. Cause I was on the, I guess 
I don't know what side of the river it was, but it wasn't the, uh, the, the ritzy side. It was kind of the other side, uh, right near Waterloo station. And, uh, everything was a lot cheaper than if you just crossed the river and tried to buy the same thing. So, uh, I, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed what I was getting there. So, um, in terms of, of match day tradition for me, a final day tradition, no, usually the last day of the season is a bit of a mess because it's, uh, my daughter and my son also play sports and it's generally the end of their seasons as well. So it's kind of, uh, uh, I've been, I've been, um, I don't want to say reprimanded, but I've been given disparaging looks as I'm running away from my kids games to try to catch the final, you know, kick of the ball or get an interview or do something. So, uh, I have to figure that out and be a little better about that. So, um, no, the, the, the match tradition for me is, is make sure I have the espresso ready and, uh, mm. try to try to be awake before the team news comes out and, um, settle in to type some notes and just watch the game. And I've, uh, after I, I've moved, I moved some stuff around in the office, uh, where I watched the match the last two games and we didn't play well. So I've rearranged it again, uh, in hopes of next, next week being better. So, uh, I'm doing, I'm doing everything I can to, to hope that, uh, we can, we can kind of turn it around a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, I don't know, uh, for you, um, in terms of, um, just doing the ugly inside stuff, um, I, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit the last season and the season before we talked a lot about it, uh, kind of off the record and in, in terms of what it's been like to, to kind of cover the same thing over and over, um, have you noticed a change this season in terms of, of, of the fan reactions and, and just the general mood around, around things? Yeah, uh, I suppose so. We, I, I decided to change our, our content this season just to add, I suppose, more value to it. And to be honest, I think um, it got a bit samey last year, trying, to, uh, trying to, to steer away from the generic kind of fan channel content um, with it. And I wanted to add uh, a bit more thought to the process. You know, I think now with this season, we've done the match build-up show, but also available to to, to uh, download and listen along as a podcast. So trying to make it more accessible at the same time as well. Uh, also rotating the guests because partly down to, um, you know, other people's commitments, we can't always commit to, uh, you know, every week. But I've, you know, obviously spoken to you a few times, been great to speak to you and a few others as well. And I suppose as for the fan reactions as well, I decided to strip that back because, again, I didn't want to be just like every other fan channel there, stood outside the ground with a with a camera, with a lead, uh, a, a, a light on top of the camera. It, it tracks the flies, you know. So I've gone a bit discreet <laughs> this year. And... Um, I've just scaled back my gear to just a, a sort of a, a grip on the phone and then a microphone that just goes in it. And also I can just shove it in the pocket because, you know, half a dozen times a season, in fact, on away games, you get stopped by, you know, the, 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 the security sort of uh, stewards going through the gates. And especially remember we, West Ham last season, there's mm-hmm. so much hassle because I had this DSLR camera in my, in, my, in my bag and said, oh, this is a professional camera. I can't allow you access into the game. Rah, rah, rah. And I just, I just thought I had enough. And then, so I stripped it all back, looked at a, a few uh, mobile sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, grips and, and, and handles. And, and it works this season. And actually, my phone's got the capability to, to shoot in 4K. So it's great from that perspective. I can, I can also edit on the phone, especially like I did yesterday on the go, on the, on the train home in the pub. So that's that. And it seems to work. Yeah. And I, I think the, I think the ability to, to kind of do that and those decisions you made, I think have been really, really helpful. Um, I, I particularly, uh, am a, am a fan of podcasts. I'm sure that comes as no surprise to anybody that has listened to this or, or anything else. I think I've said it a bunch of times, but, um, I, I have a hard time sitting down to watch, uh, you know, a 30 minute long video or a 20 minute long video. So the, the idea of being able to pop it in my ears and, 
uh, and make some pasta or, uh, you know, yeah. do some yard work or whatever it is. That's, that's basically, um, my, my, that's how my day works. That's, I, I don't watch a lot of TV. Um, I, I do listen to a lot of podcasts, so I, I appreciate that. Um, and, uh, I guess, I guess just before we wrap up, uh, for this, I'd, I'd like to say thank you again. And, um, especially because, uh, you first came on the show in episode seven. Um, and I was reaching over my head. Uh, you know, I w I was definitely trying to get some, some, some guests that I had no business getting. And I, I would say that, uh, the ugly inside is, is one of those. And, uh, it's been a pleasure to, to speak with you this, this season and last season. Uh, I have fond memories of, of my time in London, mostly because, uh, you know, you taught me how to ride the tube. You taught me how to do all that stuff. And I, I, I just uh, genuinely appreciate uh, everything you've done for the show and for me. Um, and uh, it's just been wonderful. So uh, thank you for that. And um, before we go on uh, now, uh, just, I guess, any other topics that uh, we should we should discuss uh, just before we, we end the show? Oh, well, it's great to see you uh, or speak to you uh, this time around. And uh, hopefully we do see you again next season. And maybe we can crowdfund that somehow. Who knows? Um, so hopefully you've, you've taught some life lessons uh, jumping on the tube. But I, I suppose any other topics I want to mention, uh, Franny Benali's Iron Fran Challenge, uh, his attempts at uh, well seven Ironman triathlons in seven days. Um, for those that have been following, he actually had to, uh, I suppose, postpone, I think, day five and day six because of uh, a sort of uh, his, his health, really. And to do four Ironmans consecutively is just superhuman. You know, the, the man's a machine and what he's done is, is, is incredible. And, I, you know, I saw him today around on the marathon in Southampton and actually well done to everybody that have completed the Southampton marathon and half and 10K, etc. So those that are listening, so well done to you guys. Uh, but Franny, you know, hoping to raise one million pounds for Cancer Research UK. And I don't know what the figures are in the US, but in the UK, we certainly are affected by cancer a lot. You know, it's one in two of every people are affect, directly affected. So what he's done is truly incredible, truly superhuman, and he deserves everything that he needs to get. There is a petition, in fact, online to to, to sign, to, to make uh, Francis Benali a, a knight. So Sir Francis Benali would be, uh, you know, a, a true recognition and achievement of uh, his efforts. And, and I hope he, do, he, did, he does raise the million pounds. He deserves it. And uh, he's had an incredible support team from his physios to the swimmers, the, the, the runners, and his family, and, of course, the, uh, the riders that, are, that filled in for him the other day. And I suppose if you want to uh, donate, if you can, in the U.S., head to ironfran.co.uk, and you can donate that way. Uh, but if you're in the U.K., you can donate uh, quickly and easily by texting FRAN5 or FRAN10 to 70200, and every little helps. And let's help him across the line. Right now, at the time of speaking, he's raised over £915,000 collectively across his three challenges. So he deserves to get across the line. Yeah, and he was in the £700,000 range just a couple of days ago. And yeah. he's been... Uh, so so if, if you have been waiting to, to do this, like that, that final push is here. This is day seven. Um, mm -hmm. Well, when we're talking. So, uh, even as you listen, uh, the time to donate is, is now, if you can, um, it was, it's a pleasure to be able to do that. And for anybody in the U S if you donate, uh, about $15, sorry, about 15 pounds, it works out to just over $20. Um, so that's, if, if you're looking for the conversion stuff there, um, and, uh, you can do it via PayPal, which is, is nice and easy, uh, good way to get money across, uh, having sent money to plenty of people and bought plenty of things. I've been using PayPal 
more and more. They do not sponsor the show. Just like to point that out. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I think one of the things that I've seen from him is, uh, you know, I've, I've been telling a couple of people about it around here. So we have some endurance athletes at, at school and stuff like that. And they, they kind of were like, Oh, you know, he's doing it for recognition. And I was like, no, he's not like, he's genuinely doing this for, for, for cancer research. And he is the most humble of, of individuals. And, uh, the most hardworking. And so, as you said, cancer affects a lot of people. A lot of people uh, in my personal life have been affected by it. So it's, uh, it, it means a lot for me to watch him do that. And I, and I hope uh, his health is, is the number one priority, obviously. Um, and it was really, really nice to see uh, just the people around him step in to make sure the challenge got done, even if it wasn't him. I thought that was great. Absolutely. I second that. And, uh, you know, um, when I suppose this show comes out, he will have finished his challenge. Hopefully he smashed that one million pounds, uh, you know, target. But what I would like to see, in fact, uh, would be nice from the football club. I suppose it hasn't publicly been announced, but um, even if uh, every member of the first team at Southampton Football Club donates one thousand pounds to to the to the cause, that would be twenty five thousand pounds collectively, and that'd be a huge help, you know, a huge chunk towards the target. Yeah, we've seen Adam Lallana, in fact, donate five thousand pounds to the to the cause. But I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but I just just be a good suggestion to just I mean, one thousand pounds out of an ordinary professional footballer's weekly wage is nothing to them, isn't it really? Yeah, Fraser Forrester, uh you know, <laughs> eighty thousand pounds a week or something like that, is that what it is? Over yeah. that. So uh you know, it, 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 not, not to say that, uh, you know, they don't need their money because I'm sure that, that when you make more money, you spend more money. But, but, uh, I think that can be, you know, if, if we can scrape up 10, 20, hundred dollars to, to give in, I think, uh, I think they can too. So yeah, but, um, Freddie, thank you so much. This has been uh, fantastic and I look forward to catching up with you hopefully, uh, you know, o- over the summer and into next season and, the plan is to come back over next year. There's a guy at school who wants to to, to head over and, and see some things. So uh, I may be the one playing tour guide, but uh, I'll rely on you to to help me out. And I actually, I still have my Oyster card from uh, from that day. So so thank you. All right. Great stuff. Yeah. Good to, good to speak to you. Keep up the good work. And I'm sure we will speak again uh, soon. Yeah. And uh, put all the show notes to everything in, or put all the links to everything for the ugly inside in the show notes in case people don't know how to get there. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Freddie. Great stuff. See you soon, mate. does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to Freddie from The Ugly Inside uh, and actually the entire Ugly Inside crew. Uh, They've done fantastic work uh, for basically my entire life, although I haven't been following the team that long. But um, if you don't check them out, if you haven't checked them out, you should. Uh, From the website to the forum to the social media and YouTube channels, all of it is really good stuff. So follow along. If you haven't, there are links in the show notes. Thanks to everybody who gave this show a listen. Thanks to the patrons of the show. Uh, You guys make this possible. I really do appreciate it. And I have a little bit of an announcement. Um, The end of the season, generally, we do a little bit of a fan uh, call-in show where everybody gets a chance, or not everybody, but people get a chance to uh, share their views on the season. We're going to do that again. Patrons, I will be in contact with you on the Patreon site, so check that out later this week uh, to set that up. Um, Everybody else, stay tuned to the social media channels. I will put out the call for that. And we'll get some of you on the show Uh, that will air not next week, because next week I get to talk with Jay, who runs the Southampton page. We're going to break down Huddersfield. Uh, He'll be at the match. And then the week after, we'll get all of the fan reactions to the season and that. So uh, stay tuned. That is part of what is coming later. 
know, follow this show on social media. You can do that at SFC D-E-L-L underscore I-V-E-R-Y on Twitter, on Instagram. We're also at Facebook, facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. Don't forget about the newsletter uh, to get all of that and learn more about all of that. Visit SouthamptonDelivery.com. That is Southampton Delivery with two L's dot com. Check it out. Sign up for the newsletter and I will be in touch with you on Friday. All music for this show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games, and the intro show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Pottington Bear. Special thanks also goes out to the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. They do the logo for the show. Matt does fantastic work, uh, so fantastic the club actually hired him. And last but not least, congratulations to Fran Benali on the completion of the Iron Fran. We're truly a legend. If you haven't donated yet, you can do so. The link is in the show notes. He's within 50,000 pounds or so of completing his goal of 1 million pounds raised for cancer research in the UK. So please, 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 if you can, uh, donate just a little bit. That'll help. As mentioned before, if you haven't subscribed, you can do that at SouthamptonDelivery.com. If you're enjoying the show and you're listening on iTunes, consider leaving a review or just share it with a friend, whatever you find to be the most beneficial. Really do appreciate it. And we will be back next week. Thank you so much for listening. And until then, remember that together, we march on.